This is the Car Dealer Podcast driven by CarGurus. You want the best return for your advertising budgets and CarGurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Welcome back to the Car Dealer Podcast. If you haven't listened before, we pick our favourite stories of the week and ask an industry guest to choose which were the best. I'm John Ray, and joining me this week is Motoring's answer to Giles Brandreth. It's James Batchelor. <laughs> Hello there, John. Giles. <laughs> Giles here. Giles. Hello. I'm, I'm not sure what who you're doing there, but I don't. That was Giles Brandreth. I was doing Giles Brandreth. You then. need to go up about not quite an octave, but a little bit more than that. Okay. Well, probably if I'd start to do that, I'll start to do my bruised full side, and we don't want that, do we? No, so we don't. We, we don't. don't want that. No. Anyway, how are okay. you? I'm okay, thank you. I I've, I feel a little bit um, shattered this week because we've been on deadline this week with the magazine, and I thought you know, rather naively that everything shut down in August, like it usually does, to be perfectly honest with you. But it really hasn't. I mean, we've been absolutely flat out this week. Um, and it's shown in terms of the website numbers. I mean, we've, we've, we're having an amazing August in terms of website stats. And I know that's very boring to talk about, but um, it has been an incredibly busy week. And I'm just glad to see the back of it. Uh, well, you're right. You. You're right. I I imagined everything would shut down in August as well, but I can tell you why it hasn't, James Bachelor, and that's yes. because if you look outside, it's actually March. Um, it, it is. So that yeah. does explain it somewhat. Yes. Yeah. Well, but it's lovely to be. Lots of news for us to discuss. Well, yes. Well, it's lovely to be back. I mean, I I know I'm only here as a James Baggett fill-in. I, I know oh, that's my soul. That. that is my sole purpose in life these days, I, f- I find. Who, who of course, we know is... Well, he's not here because he's working on his house, isn't he? The latest saga in, his, in, in the house build. I mean, it's dramatically becoming... A gra- an episode of Grand Designs, this 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 property build, isn't it? So mm, yeah. you just know. I think I think the the windows are going to be appearing soon at his new kitchen, which as which as we we always know, it's the kitchen phase, which is where it always goes wrong with Grand Designs, isn't it? Because well, all the window tend- phase, for that matter, you know. Well, yes, because they never too fit. small. They never they fit, go back to Germany, they? something yes. like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so I might be back next week. Who knows? Depending on what happens with the house build. So, yeah. How are you though? Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm. I'm thank you. I'm fine. Thank you, Holly. <laughs> but how I just are can't you? Get out of my head. How are you? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I've had a. I've had a three day mini break uh, in the northwest, um, as one often does in August. You know, is, go is, to... that, is that a mini break? Not to be rude about the northwest at all, but is that a mini break? Uh, well, it, uh, it was in a hotel, so and it had a pool, so I'm counting that as a very small holiday. Oh, lovely, lovely. Um, do we need to do? Do we need to do a plug for the hotel? I mean, did you get it free of charge due to your influencer status? Or? No, I should have planned that. Okay. Obviously, you know, our several dozen listeners would have uh, got me into a, a suite, probably, as opposed to my normal room. But yeah, no, sadly not. Sadly not. Um, okay. Well, 
I'm back now. So I will move us on and introduce our guest. So this week, it's co-founder and CEO of vehicle remarketing platform Motum. It's Julian Humphreys. Hello, Julian. Yeah, John. Hi. How are you doing? Very well. Lovely to have you as ever. No, no, thank you very much. Yeah, no, no, really good, thank you. And uh, yeah, hi, hi to James as well. No, all, all, all good, all good. But um, like both of you guys think it's probably March or April, April showers, I think, today. Mm, definitely. So it's uh, it's been a little while since we've had you on. I think it was in March or something, wasn't it? You last came on the podcast. What's what's new with you since then? Or what's new with Motum? We um we we continue to grow, which is you know fantastic news. We you know we continue that growth curve, and um, we continue to have new dealers join us as um, you know as buyers um, and sellers. Um, we've onboarded um, some new vendors over the past couple of weeks, so so actually our 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 stats are increasing by the day and week, which is great stuff. So we continue on that growth curve. So um, it's great to be able to deliver value to that community. And one of our challenges um, when launching a platform like Motum, it it it, it only really works when you've got um, the connection between the seller and the buyer in terms of you know what's being sold and what 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 what's purchased and, and and equally the right numbers of buyers and sellers so that's that's been our challenge since launch getting those things right and um yeah probably over the past few months we're um we're, we're hitting a few home runs for our community which is great news um we, we continue to push out um some subtle subtle improvements to our platform um, you know, both app and um, the, the, the web-based version. We've got some interesting things on our roadmap, um, which will be coming um, later in the year, where um, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to leverage um, the stocking facilities that dealers um, use to purchase cars, and we'll be able, be, able, be, able, be able to join the dots of all of that process in our, in our app. Um, we, we're also looking at um, the inspection process, and um, there's a lot of AI tools that are coming to market from an inspection perspective. So, so, so we're involved in in that part of the process as well, and say, well, how do we deliver some of that to the market? So, so there are, there, there are a couple of things in 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 the roadmap which um, you know are, are exciting developments for us that you know look to add some value back to back to our community, and um, you know, lo- lo- long may it continue that a we get the support. Mm. Of our existing community and be um, you know uh, uh, other dealers and vendors want to join us which is which is currently the case so yeah all all, all, all pretty good john um mm. that's not to say that we're um you know resting on our laurels and our work is done because you know we need to deliver value every day and, mm. and if we don't we we lose part of that community and you know others don't want to join us but uh, yeah no we're in um, a pretty good place john so just for anyone not listening, uh, sorry, anyone not listening, anyone who's not listened before, um, who's not heard of Motum, you do have quite a broad range of customers, don't you? You have kind of, um, you have dealers, obviously, you have lease and rental, and you've also got uh, like an individual uh, sell to Motum type thing, haven't you, or sell to dealers type thing for private sellers, is that right? Yeah, so what what we have we connect um, we connect the wholesale market, and that's our that, that's our base principle. Um, and connecting the wholesale market, we um, we work with some leasing companies, some rental companies, and allow those 
businesses to market to our buying community who who, who are the buyers are mainly dealers um and they'll cover everything from you know large franchise dealers in the top 100 to in, independents um you know small small medium large some supermarkets as well so we connect all of those dots of the wholesale market and then what we decided to do as a satellite application um, is build a product which allows consumers to sell their cars into our um, wholesale community but we only use that technology in partnership with our community so um, for instance we um, we trade with a couple of leasing companies that specialize in salary sacrifice and often the first time users of salary sacrifice so they've ordered a new car and it's going to arrive mm -hmm. those users have an existing car which they own to sell so what we do via our satellite app is allow our leasing company partners to market those consumer cars directly into our community so uh, okay. So, so we, we, we're not promoting the Moton brand as a consumer brand, but we're adding value to our partners. So it, 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 it's, it's a little bit of additional value. Um, and we connected um, our technology with a, um, there's a mo motoring app um, under the name of Pedal. And we integrated our um, technology into Pedal. So if you're a Pedal user and use Pedal to manage, let's say you're a consumer and you use it to manage your car, mm. you can equally sell your car on the Pedal app using our technology into our um, into our wholesale network. Mm. So, so we're not really, as I say, we, we, we're connecting all of the dots in that wholesale market um, and we're allowing our partners customers and community to use our satellite technology to satisfy their business needs and their customers into the future by selling them helping the consumers sell their cars to our wholesale market hmm. got it fantastic i can see james um, actually wants to interrupt me now no i know i was just because you know you've 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 been going for quite a few months now julian i'm just sort of intrigued to see whether you're experiencing some of the big trends that we've been report, reporting on throughout most of this year. And, and, and two of those quite obviously are dealers are still struggling to find um, high quality three to five year old stock. Um, and that there's also been a turn off in terms of used electric cars. So, I mean, have you, have you been seeing any of this at all? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we, we've we've seen a fair bit of it, James. And um, the EV piece, um, we we worked hard to onboard um, a couple of EV vendors um, at, the, at the back end of last year. Um, right at the point the market started to turn for EV values, so um, we we probably didn't gain the traction that we we would have liked to gain in the EV market. What whilst whilst the book drop continued for a number of months, I think probably what's happened now is the EV market started to stabilise. Hmm. Um, and actually, if you look at you look at the price of an EV compared to its ICE, um, you know, cousin or brother, um, the EV is actually really good value today. Hmm. Um, so I, I think that market's opened up a lot and we're definitely experiencing that. The, the challenge, as you say, about, you know, the, 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 the three to four year old quality used cars, that seems the sector that, um, 
he's probably the most sparse in the market. And that's driven, I think, by um, definitely new car registrations um, that, you know, has a direct impact onto the used market. And I think that maybe there's um, a number of dealers in the market that are saying, well, to get their hands on that prime stock, they might need to take um, a, a vehicle that needs some repair work. And actually, it's not going to be ready, ready, ready to to retail. You know, ignore the soft prep needed of a couple, couple of three hundred pounds, but actually might need a bit of work doing to it. So, um, yeah, that's definitely what we're seeing. Definitely what we're seeing. Um, but yeah, it, th th there's definitely a shortage of um, of that sector in the market. Well, shall we move on to our uh, stories? Because I'm sure we've got quite a lot to get through. Uh, if you haven't listened before, Batch and I have chosen our favourite stories from the Car Dealer website this week. We don't know what each other has chosen, and we're going to have a chat about each one. At the end, Julian gets to decide whose stories were the best and who is the winner. If you want to play along, you can tweet at Car Dealer Mag, or X or whatever it is now, and let us know if you think we've missed anything. Um, last week I was the winner, so I am going to go first, um, and I am going to talk about, as usual, the government and electric cars. Oh, I, you've gone straight for the first story that I was going to go for, but this is good. Harmony. I like this. Absolutely. I, I will say yes. as well, Batch, there are about three stories on our website this week about the government and electric cars. But <laughs> You can tell it's August, can't you? You, can, you really can tell it's August. Yes. Absolutely. Go for uh, it. Well, I am going to start with um, an interview with Andy Palmer. Andy Palmer is a name many people will be familiar with. He was, of course, very high up at Nissan and launched things like the Qashqai and the Leaf. Uh, then he moved to Aston Martin. He was there for quite a period and launched the Valkyrie and the DBX and whatever else was going DB11. on. DB11. DB11, yeah. Yes. Big car, that, for the brand. Sorry, it's your story. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. Charming. <laughs> um, yes, well, anyway, he's now, he now does a lot of things to do with EVs. He's quite an EV advocate, as you'd expect, for someone that pushed out the original uh, mass market EV of the Nissan Leaf. Um so we had a bit of an interview with him. I think it was a roundtable our colleague Ted um, had with him. And he we asked him about the 2030 ban, because of course we did, um, and the state of uh, you know EV charging infrastructure in the UK and so on. And he did not hold his punches. Um, he said, well, I mean, there's lots I can go to here. He described the government's approach as flawed towards the 2030 ban, not necessarily the 2030 as a date deadline but the fact that there's been no planning around it or as he sees it no planning around it so for example the 2030 uh date is the ban for conventional ice vehicles isn't it so hybrid you can still allegedly hybrid you can still sell after 2030 for five years but we don't know what that actually looks like what what constitutes a hybrid that's the problem the government just isn't being clear on this which is I mean, it's it's causing people to pull their hair out. I mean, it's just, it's so frustrating. Precisely. So, you know, for example, if you're Toyota and you manufacture in Derbyshire, many, many hybrids, are those hybrids going to be acceptable in 2030? I mean, do they need to have, they need to be plug-in hybrids? Do they need to have a certain amount of range? What, what constitutes an okay hybrid for 2030? So that's a massive problem for anyone trying to invest in the UK, um, as we tend to like people to do. So that's a bit of a problem. Um, and then he also commented on the 
Jaguar Land Rover battery plant, which of course you could say is, is great news that we're having this enormous battery plant built in Somerset. He says, great, but we probably overpaid for it as we didn't have a, a proper plan. Yeah. Strategy, as he said. So he's, yeah, he's quite critical of the government here. Um, I will say we did take his comments to the government, which I will read now in my uh, press release voice. Uh, a spokesman for the government said, our plan to phase out the sale of new petrol and diesel cars is giving the industry the certainty they need to invest in the UK, as demonstrated by Tata Group's recent decision to invest $4 billion in electric car battery gig factory here. We continue to work with industry to unlock private investment in blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Was that, well, sorry, <laughs> was that your Charles Brandreth impression then? No, that was, my, <laughs> that was my kind of, you know, at the end of Watchdog, uh, where they right, put the okay. statement out that means nothing. Right. I'm also going to be very cheeky here and roll in another uh, story, if I may, just that we don't bang on about EVs all day long. Um, and this is news from Vauxhall, which surprisingly has carried out a uh, freedom of information request, which is normally the kind of thing we do, not car manufacturers. But anyway, so they sent a freedom of information request to 414 councils in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. 70% of them, of these councils, have no residential EV charging strategy. So 70% of the councils in the UK do not have a clue what they're going to do about plugging in cars in residential streets. Slightly surprising, given that we're in a situation now where EVs are quite popular and people are being pushed to buy them, to say that the majority of the country has no idea what it's doing in terms of charging them overnight unless you've got a driveway. That's a bit of a problem. That in itself is not that in itself is surprising. But the thing the thing that's surprising me about these two things is industry, by which I mean Andy Palmer and Vauxhall, now seems to be actively having a bit of a pop at the strategy or lack thereof that we've got from the government. So I just that that was the staggering thing for me is that this is a Vauxhall press release that they've cooked up to okay admittedly talk about their um, they've established an enablement fund as they've called it to help councils grasp the requirement for on-street charging so we've now reached the point where things are so messy that Vauxhall is having to try and help um, councils and government along with the process of actually getting ready for the cars that they're trying to sell I just I find that amazing it would be kind of like I don't know Ford investing in petrol stations 60 years ago or something it's just i i can't i can't quite believe it mm. i don't know what you think batch uh, have, have you finished i mean i have finished like... i had a lot of words to say that i could integrate another story but i won't i'll leave that one for you but what are your little... thoughts on these two stories that i've cheekily Gosh. combined into one well it just sounds a bit like piers morgan on good morning britain <laughs> it just, just goes on and on and on doesn't let anybody else speak but um he's not still on there anymore is he no, he's not. No, no, no. You do. Um, yes, because I was going to raise the Andy Palmer story. And, you know, I, I, Andy has, you know, he's 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 got a, a drum to bash, isn't he? Because he's he's the new um, boss of, of PodPoint, uh, recently appointed. Um, no but the, the thing I the, well, the, the thing I find with this is um, it's great that Andy's coming out and saying this kind of stuff. Um, and I know plenty of people are, but I think 
the government really does need to listen to people like Andy Palmer because I know he's been there, he's done that. I mean, you know, just think about, you know, we're, we're still having conversations about the infrastructure not being good enough. And yet Nissan launched the Leaf, what was it, 2011 they launched it? Yeah. And I know, I know things have developed a lot since then, but in terms of the infrastructure... I don't think well it has developed in that time, but I don't think it's developed to a point where people feel utterly confident. Um, no, it's, it's very it's piecemeal, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. It's there's no standardized. Well, it, it's no. just a bit of a mess. That's the bottom yes, line, yeah. And he does come up with a good point about um, Jaguar Land Rover, the the, the Gigafactory. I mean, I, I can't comment on his particular words that he he uses, but of course, this is all set against. Um, the, the the farce that is British Vault, isn't it? And um, I mean, you do feel as though the government has absolutely gone hell for leather with the JLR deal just to try and, and divert attention to British Vault, which is still ongoing as far as I'm aware. Mm. Um, and it just underlines the fact that despite this JLR investment um, and Tata investment, the UK is still woefully behind other countries in Europe. Um, and there is still a huge way to go on all of this. So, um, and you feel as though the government should, perhaps they probably are, but um, they should be talking more to people like Andy Palmer and trying to get a, a, a team of people in to try and 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 consult and 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 uh, come up with a plan on all of this, because it, it looks like the government can't do it by itself. Mm. Julian, what do you think? Um, I think the deadline of January 2020 for ICE vehicles to be sold in the UK will be a debate right until 1st of January 2030. Mm. Because whilst in theory it's a um, relatively easy statement to make because it's so many years out, there's so much got to happen now. Because if, 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 if you look at the, the, the car industry, um, the life cycle of a car is what five to seven years. So effectively, if 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 you look at the fact that you know the 2030 ban on ice full ice vehicles um, is less than seven years, uh, you know that that's one life cycle. Mm. So actually, those cars are already in development. So you know you 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 kind of feel sorry if you're manufacturing cars. And what 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 do you do? So so clarity around it absolutely is required and. Um, I think the, the, the government haven't thought through all of the detail, that's for sure, because, you know, as, as, as you say, the research from Vauxhall, um, you know, under the Freedom of Information Act was, I, I, I think, pretty compelling to say that actually the government might think they're ready, but actually the local authorities that really, really run the countries don't, don't really know what they're doing is a damning indictment. Um, so I, I think there's there's probably some plans somewhere, but I'm not sure everybody knows the plans all of the time. And um, you know, may, 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 maybe the government's got some significant other challenges right now to manage. I don't know. Well, you're absolutely right, um, Julie. I mean, that's that's been the issue, isn't it? The, the, the last few weeks, there has been 
Um, you know, rumours that there's going to be a few U-turns on some of these green policies. And we know the reasons why the government is is starting to potentially backtrack on some of all of these, because it's, it's, it's aware there's a general election in the next year or so, and they are falling massively behind the opposition. So, um, again, you know, politics gets in the way of of, uh, you know, a major um, policy decision. Um, and uh, it, it, I think the frustrating thing in all of this is that people like Andy Palmer have been saying this is going to be a problem. They've been saying this for years. And, you know, mm. it's that 2030 deadline seemed a long, long, uh, you know, a long way away when it when we were sort of talking about it, like 2018, 2019, weren't we? Mm. You know, it seemed a very long time ago, but um, uh, it seemed a long way away. But now it isn't. And people have been saying, look, we need to get a plan in, in place immediately. And uh, that just hasn't happened. So, yes, yet again, the government seemed to be a little bit preoccupied with things um, which arguably it should be preoccupied about, but um, are not particularly beneficial to, to people considering going out and buying an electric car. Yes, mm-hmm. I, 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 I think that's right. And, um, you, you know, it, 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 2030 seems a long way, way away. But if you're a car manufacturer, it's not. It's it, it, it's one life cycle. Yeah, it's next week essentially. I mean, you know, they've been they've been on this. You know, for the last five seven years, they've been developing electric cars, and uh, twenty thirty is essentially next week to most car manufacturers. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think the the other frustrating thing for me, going back to the Vauxhall thing, is that you know a lot of a lot of these things are big decisions, aren't they? That have to be made, and it's all very. You know, building gigafactories and all that sort of stuff. This is not the work of five minutes. But for councils to install EV infrastructure, slow EV chargers in residential streets, that to me is not all that complicated. There's millions of systems available for things like either sticking it in the ground or plugging it into lampposts and all this sort of stuff. It just doesn't seem to be happening. And as the government likes to uh, push it, into towards the market sorting out the market probably can sort that out you just have to let them do it and say um would you like to install some charge points on this residential street excellent you can have some of the money enjoy <laughs> but it's not happening yeah that's the yeah. end of my rant on that james bachelor <laughs> um well thank you very much i mean you've taken out you've wiped out half of my stories <laughs> immediately but um <laughs> but fine um, well, let's move away from electric cars. Well, for the time being, at least. Mm. And I'd like to talk about Big Motoring World. Um, so their accounts for 2022 came out this uh, this week and they made for some very interesting reading. Um, so, um, I mean, overall, the pre-tax profits soared by over 65 percent um, uh, up from uh uh, well, it's rocketed by uh, from 6.6 million in 2021 to 10.9 million last year. Turnover also rose by 43% from 371 million to 529.7 million. Um, they've they sold more cars. Um, they've got uh, they've had fresh new investment from Fresh Stream LLP. Um, some more money is being ploughed into the business. Um, they also launched. I mean, they were incredibly busy last year. Uh, mm. Big motoring world. I mean, it, it's it was it's it was easy to forget how busy they are. But these accounts um, sort of reminded me of of what they've been up to. Of course, last year they also launched its new platform, 
big wants your car. It's a consumer car buying service designed to source used cars. They also opened another site in Wimbledon uh, uh, as a former Mannheim auction site, taking up their taking their retail sites up to six. Um, so, I mean, they've they've been incredibly busy. But the the thing that's interesting about all of this um, is that. Um, Yes, OK, the, these results are for last year, but they've come out at a time when we know that the wider used car um, supermarket sector is is really quite struggling. Um, of course, very recently we've heard about Peter Vardy, who's had to close down two of his bespoke used car uh, showrooms um, because he struggling to find used cars or good quality used cars in that three to five year period, age period. And, um, and electric cars as well, used electric cars, um, but also Motorpoint. I mean, w- you know, there was a time where we we were constantly reporting on Motorpoint in, in, in a favourable, positive light. But over the past few months, um, we haven't been able to do that because it would appear as though that Motorpoint, uh, there are some cracks forming and it's they've got some pressures. So um, it would seem as though big motoring world is doing particularly well in a, a used car supermarket sector that is struggling. And um, Peter Waddell, you know, the the uh, the boss, you know, the, the original founder of, of Big Motoring World, is also saying that he thinks 2023, um, the first few months have performed incredibly well. He thinks 2023 results are going to be even better and they're going to be um, opening, well, potentially opening even more sites. So, so some good news but it's it's sharply set against a sector that um, is really starting to f- feel the effects of this used car problem that we've got. Mm. It's, it is deeply impressive. I mean, if you've I don't know if you've been to any of their sites, batch, but they are deeply impressive places to go to. Particularly, um, you know, the ones that feel like they've just they're brand new and fresh and lovely. Oh, we've used the image of the Bluebell Hill site in Kent. That's a, a really lovely place to actually wander around. Um, but I, I can't quite work out what the secret source is of, of the company, how they're managing to do this. I don't know if maybe there's an element that bigger, you know, they've got this enormous prep centre near Peterborough, haven't they? Um, I think they're quite well catered for in terms of prep. Maybe they are a, a bit happier to do a bit more prep work on cars, and that's how they've managed to get by in the um, in this era of not many cat-clean three-year-old cars entering the market they also do they are happy to do slightly older vehicles aren't they big but then of course they are you know they're prestige metal so i suppose if it's five years old or three year old three years old someone's still going to buy that bmw 5 series or whatever aren't they um but they have seemed to weather this weather the storm of used car supermarkets as you say and the other impressive thing for me is that they've they've they are in quite expensive areas i mean apart from peterborough but you know like these are posh bits of kent they're in and wimbledon and I think there's another one in Enfield, isn't there? These aren't cheap places to exist as a a big uh, company, no pun intended. But like the the costs of operation must be quite high. So they, it's quite impressive to me that they've managed to do that in a way. Mm. Yeah, and and also let's not forget. Sorry, just 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 one thing, no. just quickly, Julian. Just the let's let's not forget how um, obviously during 2022 the the Carzam. Um, part of the business. Well, it was a separate business, but mm. the Carzam operation um, closed, didn't it? And this was supposed to be P- Peter Waddell's um, 
you know, p- big, big sort of take on on kazoo and and um, cinch and what have you. Um, and of course, that 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 closed during the year. And it would appear as though, you know, all the effort has been has, has been refocused on the original business, which is, of course, big motoring world. And it would appear as though that's the correct move. But I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it is it is interesting. Where are they getting all of these cars? But perhaps they're um they've just got a different approach to to sourcing and, and, and buying stock so yeah interesting yeah i think it's probably you know from from the, from the outside looking in and I, I i don't know the business intimately but from the outside looking in they've got a very clear strategy that they execute exceptionally well and it, it delivers the results um you know in terms of um you, you know what what's born out of their 2022 performance i think the launch of the car buying service is an interesting one where they get access to um, consumer cars where um, they're not only getting access to consumer cars as a part exchange, they get access to a broader market. I think that's quite interesting. And, you know, I talked about our product early on and that's what we're trying to do through our partners, give them the opportunity for that car buying service. So, so I think that's an interesting strategy that they've deployed um, where maybe some of the others haven't because they might not have um, the, um, the capital to do that, that, that sort of project. Um, so I, th- I think they've, they've got a very clear strategy and, you know, it's clear that they're executing it very well. Um, and, and interesting that, um, you know, Pete, Pete Waddell's come out with that 2023 is going to be um, even better than 2022. Mm. Um, because I think there's a number of, um, you, you know, right across the spectrum in, in, in the car market, new and used, that are probably starting to feel the pinch of the um, cost of living crisis right now. Mm. Uh, there's some 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 of the metrics are going the wrong way, but um, you know clearly big are you know um, and bucking that trend. Yeah, I, I think I think I think you're absolutely right, Julian, and and also, um, yeah, there are plenty of dealers who are potentially starting to feel the pinch of this cost of living crisis. Um, mm. The longer it gets, it seems to be the more painful it gets for quite a lot of people, but. As but as we've heard from from Cap HPI and Auto Trader, you know, used cars they are still um, a necessary purchase for a lot of people. So to a certain extent, they are a little bit protected, aren't they? And perhaps if you've got a well sorted business model like Big Motoring World, they are still able to um, accommodate those those necessity purchases for a lot of people. So interesting. Yeah. Mm. We'll be right back. You want the best return from your advertising budget, and CarGuru's Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market, high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Now, let's get back to the quiz. Super. I will move, Do you move on. us on, John. I will move us on. Um, I am going to choose um, Chinese cars, the other hot topic uh, we constantly talk about. Uh, you're, and that's... you're joking, aren't you? You're th- it's the third of my stories you're taking. <laughs> It's fine, Badge. They're, they're still on. getting discussed. It's all fine. I'll be interested to see what you make of it, but go go for it. Okay, for well, it. so specifically, 
I am talking about a Chinese brand Omoda, which is an interesting name. It's actually part of Cherry, who you might have heard of, enormous um, Chinese car company that we have not seen on these shores, as far as I'm aware, up to this point. But they are launching with the Omoda brand. Um, so the first car they're bringing over is the Omoda 5, um, which looks sort of like if you uh, tried to laminate a photo of a Nissan Qashqai and it kind of got a bit blurred and smudged. That's what it looks like to me. Um, yeah, so the... you're right. And from the from well, from the back, it looks very Nissan Aria. And so does the yes. interior, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. But I'm sure it's a complete coincidence if any... Uh, lawyers are listening from a motor. It's just a very, very similarly uh, shaped car. So it's a, a similar size to the cash car. Um, there will be a turbo petrol, 1.6, 200 brake horsepower. Great. Uh, and an EV variant will also be available. But the interesting thing here is that they are targeting quite a lot of sales. Um, I did see the actual figure, but I've lost it. There was something like 15,000 units or something they want to shift in the UK, which is quite an amount. They're currently um, talking to various franchised partners. Um, and I think they've, they're looking for a target of 50, 50 franchise partners across the UK. Hmm. To me, it's just, I, I this is, I'm not particularly interested in the Omoda, I have to say, despite the fact I brought it up. But is this what we're going to see now? We're going to see lots and lots of entrants um, making their appearance to the point where it becomes almost impossible to tell them all apart because this this is indicative to me of what a what a Chinese car entering the market is going to be like. It's going to be shaped like a crossover because, of course, it will be. It will be completely indistinguishable from any other uh, crossover from China that arrives, apart from having a slightly different grille or something. Um, it's not like your Neos and your all these other kind of, or, well, Lucid isn't Chinese, is it? I was going to say, but it's, it's not actually, to me, it's not got any distinguishing features. Um, is this just the, are we going to see a wave of these slightly generic crossovers appearing? And actually, should we be that worried about them? Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. And, um, and also, I don't know. I don't know about you here, Johnny Ray. And even though it is our job to be learned and up to speed and know everything in the car market, but I'm increasingly becoming confused by everything that this 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 avalanche of new cars from from China and and also from the states as well, but primarily from China. Mm. Uh, obviously, we're aware of of the Aura Funky Cats and the BYDs and the Neos, but things like this. I think we're going to be seeing more of it. And I think, I mean, it's a terrible admission to make, but, you know, if we're confused, how, how on earth are customers feeling? Because these mm. are just seemingly names that are just plucked from anywhere, aren't they? And mm. they just appear on the market. Um, and I mean, I do feel though, that there is a great opportunity. I mean, whether it's BYD or it's a Moda or whoever, there is a huge opportunity for some of these Chinese Chinese brands. And I'm just I'm discounting MG here. Mm. Um, you know, because people they 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 there's lots of people who are potentially considering going electric. They might be put off by the high prices of electric cars, and yet they still want to travel a great distance in an electric car, 250, 300 miles, 350 miles, or what have you. So there is a great opportunity here for some of these Chinese brands are come in and offer a really compelling proposition to UK customers. But what's the longevity of all of this? I mean, once 
once we do get into the 2030s and you know effectively everything is 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 electric i do wonder whether a lot of these chinese brands are still going to be here um because um i mean what's 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 the longevity of it what's the long what's the longevity of the appeal of these brands i don't really know well it's, but, it's funny um, you say that because even in even in china there was a a bit of a at one point in the last i think it was over the pandemic there was a bit of a turnover of um a bit of a churn of all these brands where quite a few were i say quite a few there were there was some collapsing relatively yes. quickly there was yeah. there was a lot of oh let's have some investment and uh, build these new electric cars and then it sort of never really came to anything because as as you say the chinese market we think are you know, for, for consumers here, it's slightly baffling, isn't it, as to whether mm. they want the Toyota or Ford or whatever. When you go to China, it is just mind-boggling the amount of different brands there are. And I don't think they've had the moment of distilling yet, a bit like we perhaps had in the 70s where you have all the different, or maybe even earlier than that, where you have all the different millions of British Leyland marks and they suddenly go, probably this isn't sustainable to keep mm. rebadging the Mini into uh, a Wolsey and a Riley and all these other things that mean absolutely nothing anymore. Mm. Um, I think I think there is there does have to be a level of distilling the brand slightly, but of course, all the time that China Chinese car companies have money behind them, they are going to keep coming over here with these things, aren't they? And thinking that this will be the Emoda will be the uh, the car that sets Britain alight with yeah. Chinese motoring, but it won't but, be. But uh, but but as we know, you know. Words are cheap, aren't they? And yes, I, I'm. I'm not. I know that's how we're paid so little. But... Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not denying. I'm sure Emoda will appear in the UK because, like you say, Cherry is an enormous car company, and and I have every reason to believe that um, they will will be on sale uh, next year in the UK. Um, but we've the number of stories that we've had of this brand is going to launch in the UK until it actually happens. Mm. Um, I will make a prediction. They may well launch, but I think their cars will perhaps find themselves on thrifty and enterprises um, higher car books. I think yeah. that's where the majority of it will go. Yeah, yeah. Which will then end up into the used car market eventually, of course. But yeah, and let's not forget, you know, GWM Aura and BYD, particularly BYD. I mean, they've you know they've 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 poured a lot of money into this country and and with big with big fancy launches and you know you know lots of people are are talking about them and dealers are taking up the franchises. Um but it's we still don't know yet whether they're hitting their targets. We don't know whether people are actually um buying these cars in any great numbers. Um so uh yeah, it's I'm sure a moda will launch in the UK, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Mm. It, 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 it's interesting isn't it that you look at maybe the last 20 to 30 years from a car brand perspective and all of the major car brands over that period have been household names and actually when you look at um, OEMs now not all of those brands are household names mm. and that the, 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 the market's right for challenge and I think what will be interesting to see is who who, who loses out is it is it the brands that have been around for years or is it the new market entries that fail mm. um you know that the, the 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 market's still a um still a sizable market for sure in the uk but um is there enough room for all of the brands that's the question mm. 
Well, I think it's going to be a bit of both, isn't it, Julian? I think I think we will see some of the, um, hence why a lot of the traditional automotive brands are partnering with each other. I mean, who would have imagined Ford and Volkswagen partnering together um, sure. in quite the way <clears> they <throat> have <Charan>. done? <clears throat> Galaxy, <clears throat> 1995. Yes, I know. But in, in such a vast um, technical sharing partnership they've got at the moment. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think you know a lot of brands are partnering together. But there will be some very household names that will fall by the wayside. Also, there are, you know, brands like Stellantis, just because they've got, however, is it 14 brands they've got under their umbrella? It's no guarantee there's gonna, they're going to have 14 brands uh, by 2030, is there? So I think there will be some that will fall by the wayside. And also some of these Chinese brands will fall by the wayside. So you're right. I think you're right, Johnny Ray. There will be, there will be some kind of sifting through of stuff weren't there both on a european and on a chinese side mm. and don't get me wrong i think with these sorts of things i think brand is becoming as julian says less less important particularly in terms of yeah you know people necessarily going and buying another ford or whatever they're happy to i think people would be happy to go and buy a huawei branded car for example like they go and buy a huawei phone it's that sort of thing but i think at the same time if there's identikit um, Chinese cars arriving, not they are re- remotely related to each other, but they're all you know just crossovers with electric motors or whatever. I think they need to have some sort of fun selling points because at least the BYD one, for example, is memorable, isn't it? That Atto three, it has uh, funny kind of funky interior things like guitar strings for door pockets and all that sorts of stuff. That is at least memorable. Um, whereas these things are like this Omoda uh, mm. looks like a generic crossover. Well, selling identikit smartphones is very different from selling identikit electric cars, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Cars in general. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I've only got one story left because you've urged me of all my other ones, I have to say. Oh, good early lunch for me. Yes. Well, (laughs) we're going going from one new Chinese entrant to one of those household brands, um, JLR, which which is what we must call them these days because... That's what they're called. Um, uh, had some big news this week. I mean, they um, they're creating three hundred jobs in the West Midlands. Um, uh, it's a mixture of technicians and test engineer jobs um, created at three of its uh, key sites in the Midlands. Um, so that's Whitley, um, Gaydon, and 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 Solihull and what have you. So so their major engineering and, and manufacturing bases are going to have an influx of new jobs, which is great. And we're told that this is in light of um, all their profitable Range Rover models, in particular the the, the Big Daddy Range Rover and the Range Rover uh, Sport, um, and of course other other models like the Defender and what have you. Um, JLR need to get through this massive order bank that they've got and um so they're they're creating these these jobs to fulfill and and ramp up production of all these these cars um and it comes at a time where JLR is 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 making money again as well i mean their latest accounts showed some pretty impressive uh results so it's it's all good news but uh, you know as we've spoken a lot about on this podcast um it's no taking away from the fact that is that is that is great news and it's really great to hear. But uh, there are some 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 big things around the corner for JLR, isn't there? Of course, they've got the House of Brands um, uh, dealership structure, and of course, we've got Jaguar as well. 
Um, but it does seem as though the tide is changing a little bit. We're hearing a little bit more about the future of where the brands are going. And it would appear as though um, they are investing a lot uh, with new jobs. And of course, the Gigafactory that we mentioned earlier on. So, um, mm. yeah, I think it's time just to just, to, you know, pat Jella on the back, on the, on the head and say, well done, well done. And Where's um, the Land Rover logo badge? I'm kidding. Um, what, what <laughs> I, I will echo you there. And also I will say, I think it's it's good that this is not to sound very uh, pomp and circumstance patriotic, but it's interesting that it's in the UK. We saw, I sort of forget that they are in Slovakia as well, producing things. Um, and it will be just as easy for them to put some more jobs out there. I'm sure well, they probably are putting more jobs out there as well. But yes. It's um, it is a, a good bit of news. It is, yes. Yeah, agreed. And uh, a, a, any any jobs, any new jobs that are created in the industry, I think it's great news. Um, yeah, they, they, uh, are they substitutional jobs? Do they go from elsewhere and, and and move from brand to brand, or are they new jobs created in the UK? If if they are new jobs created in the UK, fantastic for our industry. Yeah, I think mm. they are new. Well, that would be a nice bit of news to end on, but I'm going to introduce another nice bit of news, which is about the IMDA. So the IMDA uh, has now hit a thousand independent dealer members. So mm. it started off in 2017. It feels like yesterday it started, but of course it's actually, well, everything one year, two years before the pandemic feels like yesterday to me. Mm. Um so in, incredible bit of growth from the IMDA. I mean, there's the reasons I bring this up. One is because they've hit a thousand dealers, which is great. Of course, that's not necessarily, um, that's not all the independent dealers in the UK. I think they've got a target of much higher than that. But of course, they are not targeting uh, quantity. They're targeting quality. But one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, as part of this, which is a story that I don't think we touched on a few weeks ago because we ran out of time. Um, but they set up, a uh, there were massive issues a few months ago with with the DVLA and backlogs and dealers having absolute nightmares with trying to get anything sorted. Um, through a little bit of our reporting and also the but uh, mostly I would say the IMDA talking to the DVLA, there is now a, a dedicated team at the DVLA that will talk to dealers via the IMDA. So if you're part if you're struggling with the DVLA, if there's any backlogs or issues. Um, if you talk via the IMDA to them, the DVLA will sort it out, which is a fantastic um, bit of actual positive action going on rather than just moaning. Um, so this is one of the many things that the IMDA have um, in their armory to help dealers. Um, so I just think it's great that they've hit a thousand new members. Yeah, it is. It is. And they they are. I mean, the um, DVLA news was, was great that... Um... Because as we know, for, for many a used car dealer, well, many a dealer in general, um, they have had many problems with the DVLA. So that's that's great to hear. And it's just it's just nice. Um, I mean, you know, a nice quote from Umesh there. It's not about the numbers, is it? Mm. It's um it's about the quality of, of support that they can offer. And it's it's just it's just great that um there is a proper support community there. Um and um and 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 I hope it goes from strength to strength, and I'm sure it will. What with people like like Umesh um, leading it, and I know he's supported by a very able and talented bunch of people as well. So um, yeah, it was that was a, that was a nice story to read, and, and Umesh was very grateful with with his time as well. He spoke to Becca 
um, and gave, um, you know, a, fleshed out the story a little bit. And uh, yeah, he's always a good friend of car dealer and a good friend of many a car dealer in general, isn't he? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, very nice story, that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's nice as well that, um, as he says, one of the things to him talking, one of the things that was quite challenging in the early days was dealers don't talk to each other because they're scared that everyone is competition. Whereas yeah. in reality, they can all help and support each other. So I think that's that's quite nice. It's people have to look out for people at the end of the day, don't they? Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. And, um, you know, the DVLA story and the IMDA able to, you know, push something through like that to help and support their community, I think it's fantastic. Um, we... we um, we signed up as members a year ago to the IMDA and um, yeah, they're, they're very nice industry association and um, yeah, it's not, not surprising. They've got now over a thousand members. And long may it continue to grow. Sure. Mm. James Batchelor, no more stories from you? No more stories from me, John. Okay. Well, Julian, before we ask your verdict, are there any stories you think we've missed this week? Um, I, I don't think so. I know there's a, the plea from the pub industry to be able to sell um, beer from 10 o'clock on um, Sunday morning rather than 11 o'clock. Um, I'm to surprised su- we didn't cover that. I'm sure <laughs> many of our team uh, have expressed in that area. It's just such a, it's just such a British reaction, isn't it? We've got some, we're doing well in sport. What should we do? Let's open up the pubs earlier. Love it. <laughs> So, so, so outside of that, John, I don't think there's anything you've you you you've missed. There's um, you know, there's there, there's a number of other stories, but I think you've hit. I think you hit the big ones. Excellent. Um, so I'm going to have to ask you, who do you think is the winner? I I think I'm torn between um two two stories. One, which is the um, jobs created at JLR, which, you know, as I said earlier on, great for the industry that new jobs are created. Um, but then I think the story um, and the backdrop and the narrative around the Andy Palmer interview and EV strategy and the information that Vauxhall pushed out on the Freedom of Information Act about, you know, the the, the readiness of our districts and local councils. But I think that I think probably the Andy Palmer interview um, is the winner because I think he's being um, quite rightly critical to say that if there is a plan, no one really knows about it. Mm. And if, if no one really knows about it, it, it in detail and in depth, how's the plan going to get executed? Mm. And it's not that many years away, right? It's what six six years, three months, four months, six years, four months. Have you got? I feel like you're counting that down, Julian. No, I, I just I just had to look at the date, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just good at maths. I'm not. No, can't can't compete with that. So, so yeah. I, I I think it's the Andy Palmer story that wins, and oh. um, so whether John you win or John wins. Like, because Batch had that story as well, didn't he? So I know, but I could have just said that. I could have just, I, you know, I might not have um, actually had that on my list. I did, I did have it on my list. But John, you take the win. I mean, for the first time ever, I actually think you deserve the win there. So you take it. Thank you, you. thank you. Having written none of the stories this week, uh, I never do deserve that win. <laughs> well, on that note. Uh, all that's left for me to say is thank you to Julian for judging today. It's been great to have you on and uh, 
great to hear that all is well with the business and long may that continue no thank, thank you john and uh, thank you batch and uh, yeah um ple- pleasure pleasure to be here judging and uh, yeah talk soon excellent and thank you as well to batch for competing and thank you for listening we'll be back next week with another episode so make sure you're subscribed so you can be notified when that goes live if you're listening on Spotify, swipe up now and vote on who you think won. If you want to check out the stories you mentioned today, go to cardealermagazine.co.uk or have a look in the list of story things underneath this podcast. Thanks again. And until next time, goodbye.